With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. How is everyone today? I hope everyone's doing well. My name is Bob, and welcome to You Are Okay, powered by Blog Talk Radio. Shortly, my co-host, co-star, will be joining us in, Mara. Until then, I just wanted to welcome everyone today. This is week 14 of our Compassion series. We call our show You Are Okay, and the <clears throat> our theme is always Compassion. Our topic today is going to be Do What You Say, Say What You Mean. So, welcome, Mara. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you. It's nice to uh, to be on the air today. Life has been good for me. Very, very good. I hope I'm talking loudly enough. Oh, DSL is blaring there, isn't he? I've got him. He's down to 13. I can I can hear you fine over it. Perfect. That's what I need to hear. Great. Thank you. I have to say welcome, welcome to all of you. Thank you for joining us at our appointed time with God this morning. What an interesting topic Bob has got for us. Do what you say, huh? (laughs) Do what you say. What a hard challenge for most of us. Right, and and mean what you say and say what you mean. It's a song, right? But, you know, and how many times we've all heard that song, but... Sometimes difficult to. I think sometimes we don't even realize that we're not saying what we mean or doing what we say. And we think about it. Yeah, it's a challenge. It really, truly is. It is a challenge because we are so cautioned to say what we think people. We are not cautioned, but I guess it's the right word. To say what we think people want to hear from us. And. You know, I think that the important thing is before we even start talking about that, obviously we've got our general stuff, but I think it interests me that so often what we think people want to hear is not the truth rather than just telling them the truth in a loving way. Right. I think you're right there. We. It's harder. Sometimes it's, it would be easier in the... In the and if we were just open and honest and said exactly what we meant to say, rather than yeah. sugarcoating it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they know what you should be saying most of the time, I think. I think People so, have too. Education. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole intuition uh, reading that we have this week. Uh, meditation practice, you know. Let your intuition guide you, I believe, is what it says or starts with. But it's that whole idea that they're really, most of us have an intuitive idea when someone's not. It is intuition will guide you if you let it. And most of us right. have an intuitive sense when someone is telling us the truth. And we really Especially if you're able to see them face-to-face, you pretty much have mm-hmm. a good idea. Yeah, that raises a whole interesting specter of communicating on the Internet. 
I have one it's, book I don't sell anymore that's called uh, that talks about the internet and uh, being careful about communicating on the internet because it is just fraught with people. People operate from the same standards that they have in their real life. So when they say uh, I love you, they mean it. On the internet, it's just a way to get involved in some sort of chat. <laughs> you know, a lot of words have changed their meanings, and so this really goes also to say what you mean, mean what you say. And oh my goodness, Bob, maybe we're supposed to talk a little bit about the internet communication. Huh? Well, I was going to, I was going to bring that up. Oh. Yes, definitely, <laughs> uh-huh. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> this morning, so I wanted like- to. I've been, even though we took away from us. Uh, talking about the Tao on on the air, that doesn't mean that either you or I have stopped reading the Tao or practicing the Tao or trying to practice the Tao. And today, I wanted to just read verse 25 and make a cut and read a little bit of what Dyer had written about that verse. Because once I started reading and studying this, I realized that it went along with the theme very well. And I just also thought, uh, or we could take that out of it if you wanted to, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was a beautiful verse and very maybe different than the rest of the verses in the Tao. So I just wanted to take a minute to read that to everyone and let everyone ponder that for the week, as well as pondering the the guided meditation of the week. The So verse 25 goes like this. There was something formless and perfect before the universe was born. It is serene, empty, solitary, unchanging, infinite, eternally present. It is the mother of the universe. For lack of a better name, I call it the Tao. I call it great. Great is boundless. Boundless is eternally flowing, ever-flowing, It is constantly returning. Therefore, the way is great. Heaven is great. Earth is great. People are great. Thus, to know humanity, understand earth. To know earth, understand heaven. To know heaven, understand the way. To know the way, understand the great within yourself. Mm -hmm. It's all within us, people. It's all within ourself. It's not the words of other people, what they mean or what they say or what they meant to say, it's within you. So that's the way that I took that as I read it. Yes. It's in how Um, we each approach each moment. That's right. And And it's important to remember to live in the moment and to take that time to... It takes time to live in the moment. It does. Oh. It does. No, it does. That you know, just dawned upon me, but it really does take time because you have to practice it. You can't just, there's no one that lives in the moment all the time. No. Not that maybe there is. I, w- I no, would find I it a challenge it. to do. It would be a challenge for anyone, I believe. Well, I mean, even look at Jesus, you know, who knew that his ultimate, what his ultimate destiny was, was to go home to the Father. I mean, it, when he was on the cross, he felt forsaken. Isn't that isn't that a good example that even even one of the people that uh, is considered most divine by what one third of the world, although that number may be shrinking, uh, the reality is that person at in the in the end, at the very least, if not other times, but certainly in that one reported instance, you know, asked 
Father, why have you forsaken me? Isn't that, it's during those moments when we feel (coughs) as though, uh, it's during those moments when we feel the chaos, that we feel alone, that we feel frustrated, we feel frightened, we feel out of whack. It's those times when we are not living in the moment, we are not believing in the value of God. Now, some people would counter me and say, well, of course you are. Those are just the natural feelings that one would have in those moments. No, those are ego-driven things. What God is offering us in living in the moment is the beauty of the moment, and it's in acceptance of everything just as it is. Just just that acceptance. I, I didn't, right, I and it's, you're fear-driven. Yes. Yes. You know, I had a wonderful Zohar quote uh, that I thought fit in. I read it on Friday. So for those of you who listened on Friday, and I thank those of you who listen today and on Friday and every time, whether by remote, uh, whether by archiving it, downloading it, whatever you do, thank you, thank you. Namaste. But this is a wonderful quote from the Zohar in Exodus, and it says, and the Zohar is a very, very old Jewish text. Interestingly, the Zohar was word of mouth uh, for at least 600 years. Some people say 1,300, probably much longer. And it said, it says, in love is found the secret of divine unity. May I read that again? Because that is such a profound statement. In love is found the secret of divine unity. And if we approach each moment in love, then all of those negative connotations that I talked about a moment ago are minimal. We will at times, there's no doubt about it, we will at times become engrossed in the human aspect of ourselves and forget to be love. And the glory of it is, as this program says, is that we get to try again. I mean, we get to move forward again in love. That's right, we do. The thank you for that quote. That is that is a that's a profound, deep one there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. come back to what Dyer says after we do our breathing exercise because it goes. I just realized how well it goes with another with a little exercise out of uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's book of the Four Agreements that it goes hand-in-hand with that, so much so it's kind of uncanny. Yes. Can I just add to that, you know, that what the Tao is saying about that infinite place of peace is is functionally the equivalent, if you remember my telling the Zohar story of the vase, the Kabbalah story, because Zohar is the source of the Kabbalah, of the idea that if you think about all things as a vase, and that it broke, and all of the pieces forgot they were a vase, and they spend their entire existence moving back to be, to making the vase whole again. Yep. That's a great story, by the way. Thank you. So this week in your in your weekly on your Friday broadcast, you were talking about to, to intuition will guide you if you let it. So I thought 
you know, we could try to bring that into the show today a little bit as well, because I think a lot of times things that we say, sometimes intuition does lead us to say things, but we push it back and we don't let it. We don't let it guide us to say what we're supposed to do or do what we're, what we're supposed to do. And we, and again, based in fear, we don't follow our intuition. We don't let it guide us. Mm-hmm. So I think well, they exactly. go hand, very much hand in hand. Yeah, fear of other people's judgment or fear of not being enough. I, you know, those things influence how we move forward. And also, frankly, sometimes the intuition, in my opinion, uh, and although this is off topic, but sometimes the intuition is telling us not to do something that our ego just demands we do. And that draws us out of the moment because we get all caught up. It, I, my experiences have largely uh, had that occur during times of love and during times of anger. When I'm head over hills with someone, my intuition may be saying, don't call, don't call, but I do. And right. uh, <laughs> And when I'm angry, uh, my gut... Yeah, pardon me? You forget to wait three days. <laughs> exactly. I forget the three-day rule. And uh, when I'm angry, I forget the count to ten rule at times. And those are the times that I just push out of the moment into myself, into ego and anger and feelings, stuff from the past come forward. And then those are also generally the times when I end up uh, remorseful that I didn't listen to my own instincts. Right, we've all had that happen where, where we where we feel that what we're supposed to do and we don't, and we we may not admit it to ourselves because we don't even maybe even understand what our intuition is. But I think you know, and you said instinct. A lot of mm-hmm. people say you know I had instinct to do this and I should have done it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. anytime you have an instinct, you should let it guide you, and mm-hmm. push you know push back the fear the fear of of. Um, I don't know why the word retaliation comes to my mind. It's not the word that I wanted to say, but fear of retaliation or fear of rejection to push that aside because in the end, if it, if it was your intuition guiding you, there's there's a reason for it. And yeah, you know, not, that really kind of that takes us full circle, Bob, back to the idea that really the that's what our whole program is about. You are okay. It really cyclically the only being that you have control over is you. That's and right. No matter how much you want to control someone else, give it up because you're not going to be able to control someone else. And don't give in to someone else trying to control you because ultimately you're the one that has that control. Yes, exactly. And and what happens is to think about it, it for us to ignore our our intuition, keeping in mind at the base that all we have control over is ourself. So would be like a car ignoring the key. You know, it's it's the it's an internal mechanism designed to get you to start in the way that serves you. And it's okay to move in a direction serving you, even though other people may not completely understand. And certainly my life is a living testimony to that. But, you know, you need your your gut instinct is like the key in the car. If you ignore it, you're really not operating at full efficiency. 
because you can't really get it going in a way that serves you. Your gut is telling you. If I might read that passage, it's really very short. Um, It's intuition will guide you if you let it. We have people meditating on this passage every day during the next seven days. Well, now five more days. It says, trust your gut instinct, even when it conflicts with your mind. Allowing your mind control denies you the opportunity to learn from past lessons your soul nudges you to remember. The answers to all of life are within you and grounded in love. Perhaps this would be a good time for all of us to say three times, I am loved. I I am am loved. Loved. I am loved. Loved. I am loved. And with that, let's move into our centering exercise and into our breathing exercise. And... I'm going to use the exercise from Janelle Moon, How to Pray Without Being Religious. The Let's sit quietly, comfortably, and let's remember that there is a seed in you that is your center. It is your spiritual center, and it is the place where your love sprouts and grows. It lies in the heart, in the deepest place of your being, where love is never-ending. It is the place where love can find protection. Love can find its root. Love can find its wings to grow. This is your center. This is the place in you that holds heart with harmony. This is the place in which you matter. From your heart, you are centered. You are in a green, growing place of love. Love starts with you and shines its face on you. Love loves you. Love spreads to your neighbors, to the world. You are centered. You are love. You are centered in the wonder of love. Now, let us take some breaths together this morning, and then I'll turn on some light music for everyone to finish out the breathing exercise. And this music is Be Still Thy Soul by Anel. Beautiful piece just always makes me feel so comfortable and so alive to hear that music. So I'll share that with you all this morning. Let's take a deep breath and let's pull the air up through our feet as if we're a tree pulling water out of the ground that we've just sprayed onto the grass. And it's pulling that water up through the trunk, up into the trunk of our body, and it's filling as it's going through and taking the nutrients up into the body and the trunk of the tree and into the branches. It's branching up into our trunk and out into our limbs of our body and the oxygen is oxygenating our blood and taking it throughout our bodies into our brain and oxygenating us. And pull that air deep, deep, deep breath until you feel that air just wanting to burst in your lungs. So you're filling your lungs more than you think you can. And now let out that 
air that you've brought into your lungs and let all of that air, let all of the stale air that's there in your lungs out of your body. So together, let's let that air out.
I always, always love that song. I want all of you to know that be still thy soul in keeping with bees, with Sky Scent and also uh, another one, another song. I'm looking for it here now. Uh, Heaven and Earth were the three songs that we were encouraged to play repeatedly back in July a year ago during the meditation around the world when a group of people all at the same time for my grandson and I was getting up at four in the morning sat and meditated for world peace and for remembering our connection one to the other. It was called Fire the Grid, if you want to hear more about it, or if you'd like to put any of those three songs into your computer. Uh, they're there for everyone. So for now, let us each do that in this moment, leaving a space for those who are going to connect and listen to us remotely through their iPods or uh, actually through an archive on their computer. Let's put our right arm out and feel the energy of all of those who are listening to us now and who will listen to us in the future. Let's feel the power of that force going around this planet. And from our hand, I'd like you to start beginning to feel the heat emanating from your palm. That heat is the energy you are sending out to others in love. I want you to feel that and I want you to expand it so that it is like a giant force coming forth from you of love, loving all, loving others. Now feel that energy and imagine, see a globe in front of you and have it begin to circle the planet, getting a brighter and brighter layer of light until behind your eyes all you see is the iridescent beauty of our love, connecting, joining together, and knowing we are enough, that we are the Tao. Together we are the Tao, that we are pieces of the vase, searching to remember and remind ourselves that together we are love. Together we are love and that there is no one who is not worthy of our love and caring. Now with that force, I want you to see the energy emanating from your hand, your right hand as you lift out your left hand and retrieve back. Now pulling into yourself the circling energy of love from all who are listening now and in the future. Feel your spine sparkle with the knowledge that you are part of this love force, that you are part of this revolution of love. Know that change begins one person at a time, that we are all students together working, students together working to remind everyone that they are loved by love, by God, just as they are. And that begins with our speaking honestly with our words. In love, saying what we mean, not that kind of talk that people use, well, I felt like I had to tell the truth, but instead words crafted and shaped and molded 
to reflect the love that you feel emanating from your right hand, connecting with the force around the universe and coming back into your left hand. It is that love that we are here to show. Namaste. Um, Bob, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I always enjoy that that piece of music, the violin and the the piano, and just the voice draws you in, you know, and just makes you feel. You, you, I just feel like my body's reverberating on the inside when I hear that song. Me too. I agree. I love the whole the whole trilogy of songs for firing the grid. Perhaps. Some Sunday uh, we may want to just talk about firing the grid, even though it was an event that happened one time in the coordinated effort. It's something that you and I do every Sunday, you know, and we do every Friday. And ideally we're doing all of this on a daily basis when we're just inviting everyone to join their hearts and souls together in the name of love. That's right. So how was your granddaughter's graduation? Oh, my. What a wonderful event. Colorado Springs is very interesting. In fact, I was going to go outside there until I um, ended up being in charge of the switchboard, but uh, that worked out okay. I, uh, it's a lovely energy there. kind of has, has a judgment force we talked about last week. The graduation was lovely. My granddaughter was beautiful. I got to spend time with uh, everybody alone, including a few minutes with my daughter. And um, it was perfect. Good, good. Just perfect. Yeah. Excellent. How about you? How was Washington, D.C. and your trip home? I know you were heading out to the airport. Oh, the trip home was fine. I actually I had realized earlier that day or the day before that I had somehow planned. Well, I'm sure it wasn't on purpose. I booked so many flights, I probably just didn't pay attention, or maybe the price was a lot more. Who knows? So I chose to a uh, flight that had about a six-hour layover in Dallas, which sometimes you need that. But <laughs> fortunately, I didn't, and I was able to get on an earlier flight and get home at a very reasonable hour instead of at midnight. So it actually worked out very well. Yeah, there's nothing like being three and a half hours, or what is it, two and a half hours from home and yet waiting to get there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You must drive a little faster than I do, but, (laughs) yeah. Well, yeah, well, actually, I'm thinking I did used to make that trip, and I'm sure it was in about three and a half hours. Yeah, you can make it, I can make it in three, three and a half hours. Uh, yeah, nothing worse than sitting in the airport knowing that you could have gone and rented a car and gotten home quicker. But the, <laughs> exactly. But I was able to get home, and it was a good week. It was a very good week. I got a lot of got a lot of work done. I was actually at home and in my office, so got a lot of things done. Good, good. But so, what I wanted to do this morning yeah. was just talk a little bit about. <clears throat> What you st- you started talking about saying what you mean and mean what you say in an internet context, and I was going to use which goes hand in hand with that 
the email context mm-hmm. because a lot of times what happens, and in fact, I um, one of my employees this week made a comment to me. She said, well, you know, sometimes I get an email from you and I can't tell if you're mad or if you're kidding or if you're just in a rush. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she cited an example. I said, oh, I was just in a rush. And she's like, well, but you know, you don't, and I, you know, we start, we started talking about it and our whole team was there. And, you know, the thing that became evident is, is that there's such a power in listening to what someone says and where they put the emphasis, where, where the emphasis is put on a word or where a lack of emphasis is put on a word when they're speaking that mm-hmm. isn't there when you're writing, unless maybe you're writing a novel or, or something along those lines. And, but when you're communicating with people on a regular basis through email, which I think more and more of us do more and more, mm-hmm. is, is communicate in email. You don't hear the inflection of the person's voice, the tone of their voice, and the, the words that were emphasized or words that were purposely not emphasized in some cases. So communication has become a lot different, and it really, I think, can make people not know what you mean or take things the wrong way, even though it's not what you meant. Exactly. You almost feel like you need to to follow a joke with a smiling face, and which is a little bit awkward in a business communication, in order for them to get the intonation that they would get if they saw your face and knew you were smiling, or you had a twinkle in your eye, or you were joking, or you, you gave them a wink. And right, exactly. You, and you're right, and you, sometimes you feel uncomfortable to do that in an email because it's a business email and not a personal email, so you don't put in the, put in the smiley face or the, hey, I'm just kidding, or, or LOL, et cetera, the whole new language that we have out there now in our culture. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. So I think it becomes, it becomes a little more difficult even to have you know, to mean what you say because you don't know when we're not speaking together in communication, but through emails, we don't know always what that a person meant. And, and, you know, I would expand that a little bit from now that we've talked about the work context, I would talk about the personal context. People are spending lots and lots of time on the, and you know what, I've done it. Let me back up and say, I have spent hours on the Internet engaged in chatting and flirting and using all sorts of words, and I know what they meant to me. And I've had a personal life experience where I've come to know that it's just not the same as being with someone now I see eHarmony and I see the ads, but frankly, folks, I did the eHarmony thing, and let me tell you, I didn't have any anybody looking as good as the people in the commercials coming into my life. And everyone who that somehow seemed to be interested in me, and maybe I'm nothing anyone be interested in, but who cares? I don't care about that, so I'm not saying that. But they were all men who had, my gosh, they had been with eHarmony for five, six years, they would sit down with you because I sat across from them and they would tell you the stories of 
of, you know, well, this is their, you know, 100th date or this or that. And and I'm thinking, obviously, that, that may work for some, but for most of us, I think what we say with our words on the Internet need to be more carefully shaped because I think our expectations come from those you get an image in your mind's eye of this person and then you end up seeing them in real life and it's like, wow, this is different. And, and Right, I, they're I, 10 years older than their picture. Yeah. But besides yeah. that they're a lot different in their in their mannerisms and the thing yeah. with language, how much do you tell in a conversation from someone from their body language? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly the same characteristics you were identifying a moment ago. You know, I mean, even when you would, you know, in my younger days, I would go to bars. You can tell the difference. I mean, you're there. You see this person. And yet what I'm seeing going on in the Internet is barroom-type banter. Well, I don't do it anymore. It just wasn't satisfying for me. Plus, I ended up in a long-term relationship that, from that, that ended up, had I trusted what did we talk about in the beginning? Our instincts would right. have never gone to where it went. You know, it just wouldn't have happened. And so, but this barroom type banter that's going on on the internet, no judgment, folks. I don't care what you say. I don't care if you use very, as long as you're an adult. I think children should be monitored on the internet. But uh, as long as you're an adult, I don't care what words you use, what you talk about. I don't care if you ask him or her, are you wearing panties? I'll be frank with you. Let's get straight to to the core of it. I don't care about that part. I care about your believing it. I care about your thinking you know someone from the Internet when you have had no personal contact with them and then developing a relationship with all of the pluses and minuses of a relationship the feelings of love the heart going out the belief that this person feels the same about you and then you find out that the person is a player and has been saying the same things he's asked a thousand women are you wearing panties that's what I care about for you folks and then, too, I care the same thing for you. Say what you mean, but but be careful with your hearts because there's pain. And I don't know how we got here, but then on the other hand, I have no idea why I wrote a book about the Internet at one point. But I do know in my heart of hearts that you can be hurt if you believe every word that is typed across the screen on a computer when you're in ba- involved in chatting. And Bob, I think to me, the topic, do what you say, say what you mean, includes that idea. Oh, that definitely. It doesn't matter where, how you're saying it. As long as, you know, if you're on the Internet spewing out, you know, false information or being disingenuine, or if you're being disingenuous with your words with people uh, that you're interacting with in vivo, so to speak, it's right. the same at the thing. Bar. Yeah, at the bar. It's not fair, and it's not rising to your highest self. 
I think it's part of the spreading of pain and suffering that that we are all about discouraging here. You know, it, it really is because that causes other people pain. And what does that take us to? How would I like to be treated if I were in that spot? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And frankly, I have confronted people and said, like, gee, how would you feel if someone said, did this with you? And the response back to me really shocked me. It was, I wouldn't care. It's just a game. These aren't real people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it is that we've dehumanized people. So I don't know if that's the right word or not, but we've de but the internet has dehumanized people, taken making them a lot less or a lot more likely to say things that they wouldn't otherwise say, and not think of people as a human being that has emotions, but more of. Now, maybe people think that, uh, you know, the person on the other end is really just an avatar or, you know, a, a, a character in a video game or something along those lines, and they don't take into consideration the, the human spirit, the humanity that the person at the other end really has, and that and they're not yeah. being as Don Miguel Ruiz says in the Four Agreements, they're not being impeccable with their word. Exactly. Impeccable with your word. Yeah, I mean, and and just just they forget. We all forget. Maybe we're not aware that this is this is the internet. One of my friends described it years ago when I first started trying to uh, get uniquely uh, out there. Guys, it must have been ten years ago. She told me it was on the internet, and she said that. The um, we just had the chair break here. I have no idea. <laughs> I guess my grandson, in an effort to be quiet, it's okay. Just set it back on there and put the. Anyway, she told me that the internet was our communicating with each other in our raw, most natural form as pure energy. It was the first experiment or the first opportunity that man had had to speak to one another in their purest form, aside from mental telepathy, pure energy. And you know what, folks? I'm going to tell you, I'm a little bit disappointed in how we're using it. Yeah, I don't think, if that was the intent, I don't think that's that's where it's ended at, for sure. No, there's so much pain. Might be raw, but it's not raw energy coming through. It's not love that's for sure right it's, it, it's not love and when you when you have to be constantly on guard what does that create in you that creates your fears that that creates your fears and it, it makes it so that um, you are inclined to forget Forget your nature, which is love. So if the Internet is designed to reflect our nature, our energy nature, which I can live with that being what God is in, in, in the entirety, what love is, it is being used in a way that is contradictory. I feel like I'm sounding as though I'm making judgments. And I, I want you to know 
I just don't like what I see. And I guess that is a judgment. I do judge things that are not loving. I do judge it when girls get on the Internet and beat another child and think that's funny enough, that's good enough to put on YouTube. I do judge it when boys and girls are on the Internet making images of uh, sexual poses, whether they are real or not, and sending that image around the world on YouTube. I do judge it when people are getting threatened with life and death decisions. I do judge it when someone acts in an intimate, close relationship and makes a vow to another that they have absolutely no belief in. I think this is our purest form, the Internet. And it saddens me to see how humans are dealing with it. They are not saying what they mean, and they are not doing what they say. Hiding behind fear. Hiding behind fear. The Let's, I can suggest that we talk about Don Miguel Reese's Be Impeccable With Your Word. I love that saying. Oh, I do too. I have a little exercise actually from his companion okay. book to the Four Agreements. And it's something that that hit home with me, and I'll explain why towards the the end. But he says, beware of common phrases and cultural expressions. Every culture has common phrases, saying, and expressions that people learn early on and then mindlessly repeat. Since habitual thoughts and words tend to manifest in physical form, meaning there that the the law of attraction, I'm throwing it out there and it's going to come back to me, right? Do we really want to reinforce these messages? So the challenge or the what, what we're supposed to do, is you're supposed, it's, a, it's a workbook, so you're supposed to work on this, is to identify four or more things you hear people say repeatedly that go against themselves. And he gives some examples. I'm getting too old for this. I'm sick and tired of doing that. I'm dying to fill in the blank. And I can't afford to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. He goes on and asks you to identify four more things people mindlessly tell others that go against themselves. You're a pain in the neck or elsewhere. I'm going to kill you. Why don't you drop dead? And I wish you would get lost. Mm-hmm. So he says, do you have the habit of saying these things? Do you curse yourself or other people when you're feeling frustrated or angry? Look at your list and make a commitment to keep to clean up your speech. Garbage in, garbage out, poison in, poison out, lies in, lies out, truth in, truth out, love in, love out. Like attracts like when it comes to the word. And I, so I read that, and the first thing I thought is I always, we we probably all have a tendency to say, uh, don't let me forget. And anytime I say to my partner, don't let me forget this, he goes, oh, never mind, you just set yourself up. And I always go, okay, remind me to do this. So it's not hard to take these things that we say where we're throwing negative words out there. It's just being aware that we're saying them and that they don't only affect us, but they also affect the other people that are around us. 
So I think it's a good a good exercise and just listening to what people say and you know even maybe cautiously bringing it to their attention that you know you really should maybe say it this way. My partner is very good at doing that to me when I say, "Oh, we can't afford to do that." And he'll say, "Oh, there you go. You should have said, "Let's do that later on" or you know, come up with some other way of phrasing it so that you're taking the negative out of what what you're throwing out to the universe. Yes, and part of I think inserting the negative in is comes from a lack of sense that we are enough, once again, back to what we have talked about so many times, and last Sunday particularly, that we are enough to deserve the positive. And so we always want is is that called hedging? I think we want to hedge our bets, you know, and, and so rather than believing in the wonder of ourselves and in our worthiness that we are enough, we kind of put a negative cast on things so that way, well, if it didn't happen, it's okay because I'm not enough or I'm not worthy of it. That's that's a subliminal thought. You know, it's okay. I'm, we prepare ourselves for something not to happen at the very moment we ask for it to happen. Right. Yeah, we're asking a negative in a negative term. Yeah. We put like, don't things. let me forget my keys. Well... Yeah. I've, I've used the word don't. I've used the word forget. Mm-hmm. So I'm more likely to do that, whereas if I say, remind me to take my keys or make sure I remember to take my keys, it's... Or throw those keys at me as I'm walking out the door and they're still laying here. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, and you know, and then the intuition thing. I swear, guys, uh, I I will be like leaving the house, and the, if I think I forgot something, I forgot it. I need to turn around and go back, but I don't. I don't. One time, my computer was sitting, my laptop was sitting right here to go on a business trip that was lasting for three days, and I went without my laptop. Oh no! Yeah. I have an example Hello. of that. The other morning, I we. We got the puppy. We didn't want to keep a. We call it the bassinet rather than call it her crate because it just sounds more humane. The so her bassinet is getting a little small, and we were talking with the trainer, or I shouldn't say we. Micah was talking with the trainer, and the trainer suggested to get this playpen thing to leave the puppy in while you're gone. So Micah got the playpen thing, and we put it up, or he put it up, and put the puppy in the playpen and that night she did fine but we were able to take the playpen and you know make it into different shapes and you know there really wasn't a way with the shape that he'd made it into that room that she would have any way to run and jump over or anything like that well the next day I said well let's not keep her out here let's put her in the bathroom that way if she does get out at least she'll be contained right so I got it in there, I put it in, and I there were bathroom mats. And I thought, and I said, I don't even know, I might have even said it out loud because I tend to just talk to myself out loud if I'm home alone, and thought thought or said, oh, if she, when she's going to get out and she's going to be found eating those mats. And rather than pick them up and <laughs> take them out of the yes. room, okay. she wouldn't eat them. <laughs> Luckily, Micah had an intuition at noontime to come home and check on her. And sure enough, he found her sitting there chewing the mats. <laughs> so she had gotten out of the playpen, yes. just as my intuition was that yes. she would. 
Exactly. That's the that's the lesson, folks. It's simple little things where that and you know what? That's your connection with love with God. God is always there trying to make your life as peaceful as your soul wants it to be. He's there or she's there trying to keep things in a place where you can accept life and know that these are opportunities, experiences you chose. But when we ignore the very mechanism that has been put in place for us to know we are not alone, our intuition, then we set ourselves up for dis-ease, lack of peace, chaos, unhappiness, and we spread that around as we send that energy out. Don't think that Bob and I think that there isn't a negative energy. It comes from all of the unhappiness with where life is. And so part of learning to be a part of a revolution of love is acceptance. Believing that everyone, no matter how despicable we see their actions, is here to give us a chance to look beyond their poor choices to who they are as a person. Underneath, at their core, there is a spark of divinity. And you know what? That's what I want. I've made poor choices in life at times. And I want to be judged by who I really am, not by some isolated bad choice. And I know that's a tougher thing to do with people who have made their life total chaos, who are making life choices that are totally harming But I tell you, even those people in their core, in their core, have a spark of divinity. And that's why when you do what you say, you act in love. You don't have to be around people who are harming you emotionally. Don't be there. But do what you say and say what you mean. Serve yourself. You only have control over you, and you are okay. That's right. And we thank you, our friends, for being with us this week. And go out this week and remember that you are enough. And trust your intuition and say what you mean and mean what you say. Absolutely. Peace be with you, my friends. May love enfold you. This is Butterfly Sunrise by Jeff Bjork.
Namaste, my friends. Namaste. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.